The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Appreciate you, Lung people. Appreciate the youth workers that's gone. Appreciate Brother Jonathan's leadership, and uh, what a blessing that is. And it's good, not just to say you're a Christian, but to live like a Christian, day in and day out. Let people see your light shine. And what a blessing that is to have young people that have such a desire. Now, uh, my intentions are tonight to preach a very short sermon. That's my intentions. I don't know if I'll follow my intentions. I have a two-hour sermon here. Twenty-five, 2 Chronicles 25, and look, if you will, in verse 1, 2 Chronicles 25 and verse 1. I'm just going to read a portion of this, but I want you to get the gist of what is being said here. 2 Chronicles 25, verse 1, may we stand together for the reading of God's word. As the Bible says, Amaziah was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem. Now watch, if you will, please, the story as it continues. Second Chronicles chapter 25 and verse 2. It says this, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Listen to it very carefully. But not with, listen to it, a perfect heart. And so I want to preach tonight on right, but not quite. Right but not quite. Father, bless, we pray. Thank you for the testimonies. Bless, I pray. Speak to our hearts, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, if you will. This kind of reminds me, as we talk about Amaziah tonight, uh, a young man that reigned for 29 years in Jerusalem. And the Bible gives testimony about him that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but it says, not with a perfect heart. The word perfect means mature, it means complete. And so he was not completely where he should be. Now can I tell you, the most important thing you could ever do in your life is just decide that you're going to be completely what you ought to be for Jesus Christ. It reminds me of the scripture found in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 3 where the Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee that thou mayest live long on the earth. So the Bible says to honor your parents. Well, a person that's honoring their parents, they're doing, or it says to obey your parents, a person that's obeying their parents is doing right. But if you only obey your parents without honoring your parents, you don't get the promise of having a smooth life. So here's a person, if you will, that simply obeys their parents without honoring their parents, and so they're right, but not quite. Reminds me of the story, if you will, that's given in the book of Matthew, chapter 15 and verse 8. Well, the Bible says that this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and they honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So here's a Christian that's talking right. That's right. Here's a Christian, if you would please, that's honoring the Lord with their lips. Well, that's right. But yet their heart is far from him, it's distant, so they're right, but not quite. 
Uh, here's another story, if you will, found in the book of uh, uh, the, the book of Genesis, chapter four, verses three through five, where the Bible says, "In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain uh, brought, it says, uh, 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 of the fruit of the ground and offered unto the Lord. And Abel also brought of the first things of the first things of the flock and uh, the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and his offering had no respect uh, Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell and so uh, here is Cain Cain gave an offering well that was right he did right uh, Cain if you will gave an offering if you would please but it wasn't an acceptable offering so he was right but not quite here you'll see the story if you will of uh, Ananias and Sapphira. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5 uh, verses 1 through 7 the Bible says and there was a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira his wife uh, sold a uh, possession. The Bible says and brought back part of the price. His wife also uh, being privy uh, to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles feet. And Peter said Ananias why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the peace or the price of the land it says while it remained uh, it was uh, in the, was it not in thine heart that after it was sold and uh, listen to it now and was it not in thine own power by the way every decision we make is in our own power person can hear a message and choose whether or not they'll make a decision or not it's always in her own power the Bible says why has thou uh, it says conceived the thing in thine heart and has uh, thou not lied unto men thou hast not lied unto men but unto God Ananias hearing uh, these words fell down and gave up the ghost in great fear it says came upon all those that uh, heard these things and it came to pass about the space of three hours after uh, when his wife not knowing what was done came in and Peter answered unto her says tell me uh, whether he sold the land for so much and uh, she said yea for so much and she lied and the Bible says in verse 9 and Peter said unto her how is it that there's also agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord uh, behold uh, uh, the feet of them uh, which hath buried thy husband or at the door uh, to carry thee out and she fell down straightway at his feet yielded up the ghost and the young men came in and found her dead and carried her forth and buried her with her husband now wait a minute uh, here's a couple if you would please they made a promise to God that was right uh, that was a good thing that they did they sold the land that was right God led them as to what to do but they lied did not obey God so they were right but not quite you see, there's a, there's a challenge that we have tonight about being totally right with God. Oh, it's good to be able to have youth conferences, and as long as I'm pastor, we will. It's good to be able to send young people to youth camp, and as long as I'm pastor at Parkside Baptist Church, we will. 
And it's good to hear young people and the teenagers and adults alike to uh, be able to hear the preaching of the Word of God. And can I tell you, God's Word does not return void. And God will always be able to do the work in a man's heart as long as man allows him to do so. But can I tell you, sometimes we're right. We come to an altar and we're right. We pray and we're right. But then when we leave, we go back to the place, the mire, if you will. We go back to the sinful place. We go back to the place that's not right. And by the way, it's easy to slip, slide, fall, and never get up again. It's easy. Evident of the fact I know churches around America tonight that don't have Sunday night church. You know why? Because the people of God decided that they didn't want to go to church on Sunday night. They'd rather do what they want to do rather than do what God would expect them to do to hear the teaching and the preaching of the Bible. Uh, you have churches that close their door on Wednesday night. Why do they do that? They do that simply because of the fact that they don't have an interest in growing. I've always said, you've heard me say it here for over nine years, you don't need uh, less preaching in your life. You need more preaching in your life. You don't need less church. You need more church. And if you're sitting here tonight, you say, well, I need less church. It's probably because you're not spiritual because a spiritual person's going to want to get fed uh, from the Bible and from the preaching of the Bible as much as they possibly can. Now, let's consider this man tonight, if you will, as we consider this man that for 29 years, uh, um, he did not have a perfect heart before God. Amaziah, what was it that uh, came from this? Statement number one, uh, uh, he uh, was a heartbreaker. He was a heartbreaker. When a person doesn't have a perfect heart before God, uh, it's going to break somebody's heart. Oh, you say, but people just, it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. Uh, can I tell you that there was a day when I had the privilege to witness to my daddy and give the gospel to my dear mother. And uh, we, my wife and I, had the privilege to lead all three of my brothers to Christ. And uh, here's what they said. Uh, they said it was because of the testimony that they saw that bore witness that the word of God was true. Now, can I tell you that uh, you may not have a saved mom. You may not have a mom that comes to church and I feel sorry for mamas that's not saved and I feel sorry for mamas that don't have a spiritual desire to come to church or for daddies that's not saved. Everybody ought to have a mama that's saved and everybody ought to have a daddy that's saved and everybody ought to have somebody that loves them and loves God enough to be able to set the right type of testimony. But if you give up, up and you quit as a young person you give up and you quit as a church member can I tell you you're gonna be a heartbreaker your children are gonna wonder one day why you gave up on God your grandchildren are gonna wonder one day how come you don't love God enough to go to church you're gonna break somebody's heart the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 25 and verse 6, the Bible says, And he hired also a hundred thousand mighty men of valor out of Israel uh, for, it says, a hundred uh, talents of silver. And so what did he do? Uh, he decided, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hire a hundred thousand men. You understand your Bible that the northern kingdom at this time and the southern kingdom was divided. As far as my Bible study, I understand that the northern
northern kingdom really never had a good king. Uh, but isn't it sad that some youth departments don't have at least one good young person in it to stand for God? And isn't it sad that in our nation that uh, we have a nation that's creeping uh, further and farther away from God? And isn't it sad that we don't have people that's in government offices? And isn't it sad that we don't have people that uh, uh, are in local churches around America that will stand up to do what is right? Isn't it sad that you cannot tell a saved person from a lost person today simply because uh, they've decided to hoist the flag of surrender and not live for God? And can I tell you, that's a heartbreaker. That's a heartbreaker. Uh, it's a good thing when somebody gets right with God. We rejoice with the young people tonight as they gave testimony about how God spoke to their heart and several of you even clapped and applauded for some and that is good but uh, they need somebody to stand behind them and somebody to cheer them on uh, but may I say uh, you ought never to be a person inside of this local church that decides you're going to be a heartbreaker when you don't show up for church it breaks somebody's heart you disappoint somebody if you take on work lifestyle living uh, you break somebody's heart and uh, you disappoint somebody uh, somebody's looking up to you somebody needs you as we studied there in Titus this morning as we had the Sunday school lesson how Paul was encouraging Titus uh, to stay by the stuff even though Titus had come quite discouraged but can I tell you listen uh, we need to be people that's not going to be the heartbreakers we need to help people to be able to heal the heart and go for and be able to accomplish the very will of God. Statement number one, he was a heartbreaker. Statement number two, uh, he was a faith wrecker. He was a faith wrecker. A faith wrecker. Oh, I don't want my children, my grandchildren, or if I live long enough, my great-grandchildren uh, uh, to walk by my casket one day as I lie in state uh, somewhere and say, I remember how daddy, granddaddy, or my great-granddaddy used to serve God, but there was a day when he got discouraged. There was a day when he had uh, cancer. There was a day when he had uh, heart trouble. There was a day when uh, things were not going well physically and when all of a sudden things were not going well physically, he just gave up and threw in the towel. And may I say the Apostle Paul, I believe he had trouble with his eyes. I believe he was going blind. He called it a thorn in the flesh. But uh, when he had a thorn in the flesh, he still stayed faithful. He still stayed faithful. By the way, we like it when somebody goes through problems not because they're going through the problem but because they stay faithful through the problem i watched it when joy stood i watched it uh, she stood and all of a sudden there was like a hero that was present you clapped yay she's back she's standing kelly stop pushing her down you clapped uh, wait a minute watch this if you will I'm saying this I'm saying that uh, uh, he was a faith wrecker look at it if you will please the Bible says in 2nd Chronicles chapter 25 and verse 14 the Bible says and it came to pass after Amaziah it says uh, was come uh, forth to the slaughter of the Amorites uh, 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 sorry the Edomites the Bible says and he had brought the gods so watch what he did he's bringing these gods he brought the gods of the children of Seir the Bible says and set these gods up and then he bowed himself down before 
before the gods and he burnt incense to the gods. What's happening? He's a faith wrecker. He never should have did that. Right. He never should have bowed down to other gods. Yes. By the way, uh, I don't think you ought to ever bow down to other gods. I, I, I think you ought to stick with the King James Bible. I, yes. I think you ought to have the right type of music in the church and in the home. I, I just think that uh, you ought to be proud of your God. I think that uh, uh, those of you young people that go to the public schools and secular universities, somebody needs to see God. Somebody see, needs to see there's a real Christian out there that loves God and is not going to bow down to the whims of the world. Why? Uh, because we don't need people that's going to be faith wreckers. We need people that just decide that they're going to get in there and stay by the stuff. Can I tell you, uh, you may win some battles uh, over the rock music and the country music and the worldly dress, and you may win some battles over being disobedient to your parents and not smoking and drinking and uh, wicked movies and lying and cheating and stealing. You may win some battles, but just because you win one battle, that doesn't mean that you're going to win the war. I mean, you have to decide that you're going to be a person that stands true to God every single day of your life. And if you decide that you're not going to stand true to God every single day of your life, you're going to hurt somebody's faith. Everybody ought to be able to point to somebody and say, I'd like to have faith like that one. Everybody ought to be able to point to somebody and say, I'd like to be a prayer warrior like that one. Everybody ought to be able to have somebody in their life that they can point to and say, I'd like to be a soul winner just like that one. Everybody ought to have somebody in their life that should say, I'd like to have a sweet spirit like that one. I'd like to be able to sing like that one. I'd like to be able to be an usher like that one. I'd like to be able to be a nursery worker like that one. Why is it that we've got to look outside to the world to have some heroes and to have some people that stand by the faith? Why don't we decide that uh, we can be the right type of testimony yeah. for people to look at inside your family, inside your church, inside your community? Why don't you just decide you can shine for Christ? I'm saying this. I'm saying that he was a heartbreaker. He was a faith wrecker. He was a truth forsaker. Look at 2 Chronicles 25 and 15. The Bible says, When the anger of the Lord, it says, was kindled against Amaziah. The Bible says that he sent on, to, uh, sent on him the prophet, a prophet, which said unto him, Why hast thou sought after the gods of the people? It says, Which could not deliver their own people out of thine hand. So the prophet comes and says, Why are you doing that? Why don't you just keep trusting God? Why turn back? I mean, that, those gods, they couldn't, couldn't even deliver their own people. Why are you trusting in them? Look at verse 16, 2 Chronicles 25 and 16. The Bible says, Then the prophet forbear and said, I know that God hath determined to destroy thee, because thou hast done this, watch this carefully, and hast not hearkened unto my counsel. So here's the preacher saying, look, I told you what to do. But I know that God is going to destroy you because you've not listened to what I told you to do. Oh, how many times do we read in the Bible? And I, as a pastor, I see this. I, as a preacher, I see this. And I, I throw the warning out. And I throw even the rebuke out. Or I, I give reproving. And I say, 
don't go down that way. Don't travel down that alley. You're going to get bit. You're going to get hurt. How many times do I say, hey, listen, uh, there's a God in heaven and he can answer your prayer and he can help you and encourage you. He'll not forsake you. Don't turn your back on the living God that can help you through your distressed time. By the way, you can't make it by yourself. Here, here's what happens. We get discouraged. When we get discouraged, many of us that's in this room, right here in this auditorium, the sanctuary, Here's what happens. Your flower turns inward when you get discouraged. And then what you do is you begin to fold down and you hibernate in your secluded cave and you stay in darkness all lonely, destitute, chilled to the bone. And you say, I just don't feel loved. That's because when you go through this stressful time, you're not supposed to fold in. You're not supposed to hibernate. You're supposed to go to the living God. The Bible says he lifted up his eyes onto the hills from whence cometh his help. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to lift our eyes up onto the Lord. He's the one that can help us. By the way, can I tell you uh, that he has come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. All, all of a sudden, when you feel like, when you feel like, when you feel like, well, I might as well just give up. I mean, I tell you, I might as well just give up. I mean, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat my own worms. I mean, I just might as well just go ahead and give up. That's the devil that's putting that in your head. God has never discouraged you. God has never said, I can't use you. That's the devil putting that in your head. Now, God wants us to come to him so that we can be used. But when you come to him, you've got to come to him on his terms, not your terms. Well, you know, I put one foot in the world and one foot in God's corner. And as long as I got one foot in God's corner, God's going to use me. God's not looking for a half-empty vessel. God's looking for a complete empty vessel. He's looking for somebody that's totally surrendered. So I can't get there. It's because you don't want to get there. If you wanted to get there, you could get there. And by the way, it's not too far from where you are. So how do you know that? Because it's dealing with you and you're sitting with you. You take you home with you. You wake up in the morning, you stare at you in the mirror. You're stuck with you. Because you're stuck with you, you can make decisions based on the things that you ought to do in your life. Somebody says, well, you don't understand, preacher. I just can't live for God. Who told you that? The fear of man bringeth a snare. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that God's not the author of confusion. The Bible says God's not the author of fear. But he's the one that gives power. And the Bible says a sound mind. So I'm just confused. I just don't know what to do. Who's causing that confusion? It's not God. See, watch this. You know, uh, you ever get around somebody that's an athlete and they're training for an event. 
they give it all man they just give it all they give it all to that event you know and uh, you know i grew up around athletes and 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 i i i, I did stuff like that when i was younger and stuff and can i tell you when you get a guy when you get a gal and and they're a training for some athletic event here's what happens they give it all and it doesn't matter how bad they hurt and it doesn't matter the pain that they go through uh, all it matters is i'm going to get in the perfect shape i can get in for that particular event that's all it matters so they put in the hours. They put in the training. They give it everything they've got. And then when the event comes, they're ready to be able to perform at their peak. Now, why can't we be that way as Christians? Why can't we decide, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get so serious about it. I'm going to strive for the mastery. I'm, I'm not going to strive unlawfully, but I'm going to strive for the mastery. Why? Because there's the prize. And that prize is pleasing the Lord. Why can't it be that way? Uh, hello? I said years ago, I traveled and I was preaching a conference and there's two preachers in the front seat and I was back with uh, two, or, yeah, two other preachers in the back seat and we were heading and I was going to preach the conference with this dear brother that was in the front seat. And all of a sudden, he started telling off-color jokes. I mean, jokes, that, uh, they weren't real dirty, dirty, but they were dirty enough that you shouldn't be touching them with your brain lewd stuff you know and uh and uh, he and the fellow up front boy they were laughing and cutting up and stuff like that well he was going to preach in the same conference i was going to preach in and they looked in the mirror and he said hey brother wells you're not laughing you want me to repeat it i said i'd rather you not he said you don't think it's funny i said i find your humor despicable and I can tell you probably God is not going to use you tonight oh he said God always uses me I said no you operate in the flesh could you imagine if you yielded yourself to God how much God would use you you know I have preached with some preachers that they cannot preach their way out of a wet paper sack There is no energy. Matter of fact, if you looked at the energy, it would be in reverse. And you would pray that they get plugged into something. But they get up and they're monotone. Yeah. They don't shout. They don't hit a pulpit. They don't climb up. They don't run here, there, and yonder. There's monotone. And you sit there, and if you don't pay attention on purpose, you could wander off in la-la land. Then all of a sudden, they give an invitation. And people start coming. From every corner of the building, they start coming. They get on their knees, and they cry, and they weep. Now, why? Because uh, it wasn't the power of the preacher it's the power of the word and God using the word to help the believer now can I say you have to sometimes tune yourself in we're a soul winning church if you haven't figured that out yet you will we're, a, we're an old fashioned Baptist church 
We're not going to get somebody up singing the skunk skedaddle and the dish rag twist. It's not going to happen here. You're not going to get somebody up here and more they got a mic and they're trying to eat it and they swing their hips out one side, swing it the other side, and they stand up on their tippy toes and they try to get man's attention. We're not interested in getting man's attention here. We're interested in getting thoroughly right with God so we can be used as a vessel to serve God. This is old time religion. Now, can I tell you, listen, uh, if you're not careful, though, you can be a truth forsaker. A truth forsaker. And can I tell you, in our day and time, we need more people that decide you're going to embrace truth than to forsake truth. Let me give you one more statement, and I'll finish my two-hour sermon. <laughs> statement number one, I said that uh, uh, he was a heartbreaker. Statement number two, I said he was a faith wrecker. You know why? Because he was right, but not quite. He is a truth forsaker. Then let me give you this one last thought, and that is this. Uh, he was a name maker. You know, he, he wanted to impress people by who he was, uh, by what he did. And it's amazing, those that's always talking about what they did are normally the ones they're not doing today. Here's what we see uh, in the same chapter, verses 17 and 18. The Bible says, says the king of Israel, he said uh, this, he said, let us, let us meet together. And they met together, and here's what happens. Amaziah begins to boast on the things that he's done. Now watch this, if you will. Second uh, uh, Chronicles 25 and verse 19, I'll read this verse. The Bible says, thou sayest, though uh, thou hast smitten the Edomites, and uh, it says, and thy heart uh, uh, lifted up thee to boast. Now, watch what he says, uh, be, it says, abide now at home. You, you, know what, uh, you know what the king of Israel said? I don't want to hear your boasting. Here's what he said. Boy, go home. Go home, boy. I, I just don't want to hear it. I'm, I'm, you know, you're boasting about what you did. Boasting about what? No, no. Hey, uh, could, could it be that maybe it'd be better to boast on the Lord? Could, could it be that, hey, look what God did. Look what God did. Look what God did in my life. Proverbs 11 and verse 2, the Bible says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. It says, but with the lowly is wisdom. Proverbs 13, 10, the Bible says this, Only by pride cometh contention, but with, uh, it says, the well-advised is wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Last verse, Proverbs 29, 23, the Bible says a man's pride shall bring him low. It says, but uh, honor shall behold the humble in spirit. So there, there needs to be a time where you say, look what God did. But it needs to be that on a continual basis. Hmm, hmm. I'm thankful for those that got raised in a Christian home. I'm very thankful for that. You ought to be also. If you had a godly daddy and mama, you ought to thank God every waking day that God's given you a godly daddy and mama. You know, you got a godly Sunday school teacher, youth director, youth worker. Uh, hmm, you ought to thank God that God's given you such. But for those of you that, if I may say so, and not in an unkind way or a disrespectful way, but for those of you that came from the other side of the track, 
and you tasted of that which is darkness before you got saved, you also can rejoice because it's the same saving grace. I sometimes know where I come from and I look back and I remember where I was and who I was and how things were all messed up and then Jesus Christ came in and uh, made me a new creature as I abide in Christ and in his word uh, he changes me from day to day and, and can I tell you his way that he changes me from day to day is a whole lot better than the way I was going some of the stupid things I did that I'll not go into because I don't want teenagers to pick it up at least not tonight but can I say this? Uh, I remember the day that I got saved, and from that day forward, it's been a growth. It's not been saved and stop. It's been saved and grow. Saved and grow. So it's not been, nobody's ever had to coach me. Listen to me now. Nobody's ever had to coach me to go to church. No, no, it's not been that way. When I went to that church, it was, it was when I heard that, that preacher preach, I got invited one time, I heard him preach, and I said, I want to go back to hear him on Sunday night just to see if he can do the same thing he did on Sunday morning. And then he announced that they had Wednesday night church, which I thought was crazy. Why in the world do you have Wednesday night church? And then I found out that that's the way the Baptists did it. And, and by the way, I think that's a pretty good thing. That's why I is one. And so Wednesday night we study our Bibles and we learn from the Bible. And I went back to hear him as he teach the Bible. And uh, can I tell you, I wanted more, I wanted more, I wanted more, I wanted more. I couldn't get, I couldn't get enough. I just wanted more. And uh, finally I was attending that church. I was only attending that church for a couple of months. And somebody said, you want to work on my bus route? I said, what's that? Well, we take a school bus. We go around and pick people up. I said, well, yeah, I can do that. What do you want me to do? Get people on the bus. Well, I can certainly get people on the bus. Uh, hello. And I dove in. Oh, about a month and a half later or so, they said, we need a junior church worker. I said, how about me? What can you do? I don't know. I went to junior church, sat with a bunch of little kids. Somebody misbehaved. I tap him on the shoulder and say, uh-uh. He's talking, you shut up. <laughs> now, I didn't know you weren't supposed to say stuff like that, that some people considered that rough. That's where I came from. And by the way, the kids that rode the bus, they understood that. And they weren't as polished and poised as you are. So I tap him on the shoulder and say, shut up, he's talking. It's rude. Shut your mouth. And, and so they, you know, I mean, that's easy to tell a little kid shut up. I did that in the grocery store one time. This big old guy, I mean, he had a belly that was like, you know, the belt was down here somewhere. You couldn't see it because of all the cheese has been eaten. Man, that old belly is sagging out way down. Big fella, you know, big fella. He'd go like that, and I'd wind up in Michigan, you know, and uh, he's cursing. He's cursing. And, uh, and I said, hey, I don't appreciate you saying those words. He said, what are you going to do about it? I said, my wife's going to take you out. <laughs> he looked at her, looked at me, and said, I'll shut up. 
Hey, it worked, amen. Now, I'm saying this. I, I'm saying this. I'm saying that uh, uh, I didn't have it all down, but I had a heart that I wanted to do something for God. Hello? I was in there about a month, and they were lean singing, you know. Uh, wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, round and I mean, you know, the bus songs, you know. Uh, uh, in, right, out, right, up, right, down, right, happy. I mean, the bus song. And I was loving it, you know. I never heard songs like that. We never sang songs like that in our church. We never did that. And I thought, you could have some fun in church. And so I'm sitting in there as an 18-year-old boy. Wheels on the bus go round and round, round and You know? I mean, come on. I'm boxing in high school. Wheels on the bus go round and round. <laughs> yeah. All right. And, and so, so the guy that was in junior church said, hey, you're enjoying uh, the song so much. Why don't you come up and lead one? L lead what? Lead a song. You're singing it back there. Everybody's watching you anyway. <laughs> so why don't you come up here where they can get a better view? And I said, well, I can do one. Wheels on the bus go round and round. I can do, I can do that one. He said, man, come on up. He said, move your hands when you're doing it. And he, he taught me a little bit about the hand motions and stuff like that, like you guys do. You know, and, and I, just little by little by little by little by little by little by little. And I still wanted more. I could not get enough of serving Jesus Christ. I just... It was so joyful in giving God more. When you get plugged in, here's what happens. It creates a desire to do more for Jesus Christ. Don't be like Amaziah. Don't be that person that wrecks somebody's faith. Don't be that person that is here today, gone tomorrow. Don't be that person, if you would please, that uh, is a heartbreaker, a truth forsaker, or be that person, if you would please, tonight, that's a name maker. You be that person that gives God everything you've got, and don't bow down to other gods. Uh, we were in India, Brother Denton and I, and Brother Palawathago and some others and whatnot, I think was James with us that week? that I was there. I don't know who was with us. But we were there, and, uh, and they invited us to go to a church, and we went to the church. And it just seemed like the church was different than us a little bit, and so it was my turn to preach. And so I preached about faith and about being saved, and we had a lot of people say, yeah, I think one of the assistant pastors even got saved that day, or one of the pastors. Because you see, the truth will bear witness that's why when you see people out and about and you witness to them and you talk to them about Christ, it's Christ that you introduce and he's the one that changes the life. Amen. Let's be that one that keeps Christ first. Father, help us. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.